Welcome to this episode of the Catholic Money Show. I'm very happy to introduce uh, today's guest. He's been in campus ministry for over 25 years. He works with St. Paul's Outreach. He's got a master's from Notre Dame. He is a father to four sons, and he's the host of another Spoke Street podcast, Better Preach. Please welcome to the show, Ryan O'Hara. Thanks, Jonathan. It's great to be here. Thank you very much for uh, for coming on. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. I think there's a number of things that we can explore today that are going to really help our listeners. And awesome. I know that um, <clears throat> I know you have a a uh, I don't know maybe a particular call a fondness for uh, for hospitality in your family. And I think that's where I'd like to start today. Just tell us more about that, what that kind of looks like, and, and we'll go from there. Yeah, well, it started with, um, you know, on our on our wedding day when we, we make certain promises. My wife and I, Jill, were married about 24 years ago. And um, th- one of the questions, that, you know, the priest asks, are you, are you open to life, you know, um, and to welcome children into into your life together and of course on that day yes we said yes as as all you know catholic married couples do in that in that setting and um and over the next year and a half or so we found it that it was going to be difficult for mm-hmm. for us to get pregnant and um discovered through that kind of difficulty that that infertility was likely going to be uh, a part of our life going forward, and it was gonna, it was not gonna be likely that we'd be able to have kids of our own, and so, kind of based on that openness, that that um, that, if you will, that promise, uh, we we started praying, started asking Lord, how mm-hmm. how could we welcome you know kids in other ways into our home, and of course, uh, we were thinking about adoption, and um, so we looked at a number of different things from international adoptions to private adoptions, uh, but finally to foster care. And uh, that was really where the Lord kind of grabbed our hearts. And uh, we were living in Phoenix, Arizona at the time. We were working in ministry and there were thousands of kids who were looking for for homes. And uh, we were excited to, to welcome them in. And so over about two and a half years, uh, 13 kids came through our home through foster care and, and four stuck around forever. And those were our, our sons that we, that we adopted. We went from zero to four in about, in about two years. It was wild. <laughs> uh, we, we changed thousands and thousands of diapers. And, uh, and that was kind of the beginning. I don't know if I would have said at the time that there was a charism of hospitality. I didn't even think I had that language, hmm. but looking back, I, I, I think that has been a gift that God has, has given us to to allow our home to be a place for those who, who don't have homes. Mm-hmm, and that's, mm-hmm. uh, that's where it started. When you, and certainly I imagine looking back with hindsight's a lot easier here, but True. if you're looking back and trying to, as best you can remember, then as you're going through this process, as you're trying to figure out, well, okay, how are we called, how are we going to answer this call to fruitfulness? Yeah. Um, and you're looking at all, you know, different, different ways to do that. When you started coming across foster care, what was it that, um, if you can't identify it, like the, just the, the hook that grabbed you at, yeah. maybe at, at the beginning? Yeah. Um, 
one of the ways that we looked at it was there, there, there weren't, there weren't like a ton of people lining up in, in that line, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, one, we thought, well, we, we have, we feel like our, our hearts are open to the challenges that are here. And, and, and it doesn't seem like there's, there's not, there literally wasn't a waiting list. So there's no, there was no waiting list. We, we got licensed and we could, we could start fostering. Um, but the other, the other thing, honestly, um, because we were missionaries at the time, mm-hmm. um, we, we, and we were already raising support for our own life. We thought, I don't know, we can't, we just can't afford, you know, a private adoption or international adoption. And so mm-hmm. we thought, well, our heart, our heart is there. Um, there's no line and the money kind of, the, the money sort of works. Um, but the other piece of it was, um, my wife's parents, uh, were foster parents mm. and that broke a lot of the, the misconceptions and stereotypes that I had about, well, just misunderstandings about what foster mm-hmm. care was. I always thought that, that foster, if you were in foster care, there was something wrong with you as a kid. Mm-hmm. And that was a, that's a, a gross misconception of, yeah. of what the reality is. There was something not working with their home and their, their, you know, their parents or their mom or dad or whoever is taking care of them, that mm-hmm. it was more on, on the family setting versus obviously the, the child. And so that was an important kind of shift in my understanding as well. So those things kind of came together that kind of pointed us in, in that direction. Those were the things that, that happened. And, you know, we, we would go on mission trips and, and things, in fact, you know, to, to border towns in Mexico and, you know, my wife, we, we visit literal orphanages. And uh, if my wife could have like snuck kids out, like <laughs> under her coat, that's just kind of the, the mother's heart that she has. I was, I was, I'm not that kind of, <laughs> that wasn't quite my vibe. You know, I was like, whoa, okay, no, we can't just take, you know, obviously we can't take kids, but like she would be ready today. Like, Hey, could we, could we take a few of these kids back with us? I would not have been ready for that. That was more her vibe, but uh, that didn't happen. But uh, we, we looked into all sorts of, of options and uh, that's, those are some of the reasons we landed on foster care. Mm. Um, this is, yeah, this is fantastic. Um, so if you, so that, you know, and, and or our listeners, uh, we've mentioned it before, but if you haven't heard us, uh, talk about it. So our three daughters came to us through adoption and you mentioned it a little bit. There is definitely a financial component yeah. to this call. How did you, how did yeah. that factor into things you mentioned a little bit, um, as you're as you were discerning or even today other other things god might be calling you to how yeah. is it that you take into account the financial cost of an ask that god's making of you uh well you know like weighing it appropriately not making it the most most uh, important thing well if it's this so much we can't do it yeah. um or this is the cheapest way bada bing uh but how do yep. we give it enough weight yeah. where it enters into our discernment, but isn't maybe like the number one deciding factor. Yeah. I think it was a factor in our, mm-hmm. in our discernment, but it wasn't the, it wasn't the most important factor. We, we'd seen God provide for us in many, many different ways. We were, we were living on, on Providence essentially mm-hmm. through, through raising support from kind of 
2000 until we were licensed uh, in 2005. Mm -hmm. And so we were, we were living, you know, on, on Providence and uh, on, on a kind of ministry salary at that. So we saw God's faithfulness in that. And, and, but the call, the call, the call was Mm. to, to foster care, not away from more expensive things, you know? And, and so, I think I think my sense would be where's the call and believing that the provision will will be will will follow you know and that mm-hmm, that was mm-hmm. that was the attitude and and we saw God do that on a mission to New Zealand that we took in the summer of 2000 that that took a radical you know our life took a radical shift there and then another call to this kind of missionary work that we were doing with college students and young adults in Phoenix Arizona uh, also emerged out of that and God provided. And in this way, um, God, God invited us into the foster care piece. And, and there was also, there also was one of the things that happens is that there's a a monthly subsidy, Mm -hmm, you know, with foster mm -hmm. care. And this is something that might be good to even talk about and acknowledge in, in that, the the county or whoever is is kind of managing the the foster care system provides a certain monthly subsidy for each child and so this allowed my wife um to stay at home and in a sense provide a a modest salary for her to to give all of her attention Mm. um to our kids and the and the many and varied needs that they that they had. Now they were sure. all kind of uh, birth to four when when all of this happened, and most mm-hmm. most of them were under you know eighteen months by the time they were all adopted. So they were they were young, uh, but it allowed her kind of the flexibility and our family to have the flexibility uh, for me for me to be working to mm-hmm. be still having a, again kind of a modest salary, but she too and together that ended up being an, uh, an important kind of gift uh, from God to us um, to provide for us as well. Certainly, certainly. Um, <clears throat> you, you mentioned, um, right, this, right, follow the call. What's God yeah. asking of you? Right. And there's been so many times in our lives, um, it's incredible, very similar situations, right? I mean, we, right, we fundraised our salary when we were missionaries with Focus for nine yeah. years. And so I, I understand so much of what, what you're talking about and, and the, the realities that, you, that you've experienced. Um, and this, that, yeah, God calls you to certain things. And then if that's what he's calling you to do, he'll make it possible for you to do it. 100%. Right? When, 100%. when uh, I was this, no, essentially, you know, felt like no nothing um, college senior applying to be a, a missionary. I had no idea how I was going to get anybody to uh, contribute to and support me on this mission. But then they did. Uh, when we were asked, uh, you know, when we, we went down the route, we were answering this call to adoption the first time and understanding uh maybe partially at first uh just how what all these these where all these costs are and where i still don't quite know where all that money goes but that there's there's some a, a bunk a bunch of money there that's needed and god provides it 
provided it for us. Yeah. And it's been, a, it's a, it was a wild ride each and every time. Yeah. Uh, and in all, in, in many smaller ways too, God follows up with what he wants you to do, you know? And it, you, I've found sometimes that it's, it's that order. It's here, I want you to do this and then kind of waiting for the, okay, yeah, let's go for it. And then uh, kind of sending what you need your way instead of like, well, here's all this stuff or here's all this money. Now, why don't we do this with it? It's not, it doesn't yeah. usually, at least in my life, hasn't happened that way. It's, yeah. it's the flip where you, you get asked first and then he figures it out with you. Yeah, isn't that hard? <laughs> you know, I mean, like that, I wish it was not that way. Um, but that wouldn't be, that wouldn't be trust. That wouldn't be faith. That, that wouldn't be the nature of, isn't it beautiful? Like God, God will use everything in our life to impress upon us how faithful he is. Mm. And um, money, money is one of the, well, one of the many ways, but one of, one of the primary ways, not every day and every month or every even year of our life. I might say every year of our life. I've seen, I've seen that. And then many times per you know, during those years. But um, that has been one of the main ways that God has impressed his faithfulness uh, to me, per, to me personally, and to my to my wife and I, our family, and, and to our kids. It has been uh, that that is one of the enduring testimonies that I would bring to God's faithfulness is how he has uh, provided for and and abundantly provided for us uh, we're not just eking by in life you know we we have a savings and we're moving towards retirement and you know all of these things these are real things that that are needed and and we're not just eking out this meager existence i, I wouldn't also say we're living extravagantly but uh but we've seen you know god's god's great faithfulness through this whole thing beautiful um Another question here is, right, so we've talked a little bit about some of the financial side of, of answering this call to yeah. hospitality. Um, for a second, I just want to turn, uh, if you will, to mm -hmm. the, I guess you'd call it, like, I don't know, maybe the emotional uh, cost of it. Because I know, yeah. right, with with foster care, right, the plan is, right, the goal always is, is reunification of right. getting the kid Getting, helping that, right? Well, while they're in your care, you're taking care of them, maybe helping them with, with anything they need help with. The family is getting some help. Hopefully, the right, the goal is to bring them back together for, for a happy life together. So right. you end up, at least, I don't have the experience, so I'm guessing. Yeah. You end up caring for this kid. You probably get close to them, right? You really, you, you love, you know, you start yeah. to love them. And then, I mean, but it's, in in its maybe its best case scenario, temporary, yeah. right? You're going to get to know this kid maybe just enough to really care for them, yeah. so that you miss them more uh, yeah. when they go. But in the end, like, that was the point. Like, can you just speak into that? Yeah, that's very real. Uh, that's exactly right, Jonathan. That the goal is is reunification, and and the only way the only way to care for any child is to love them like they're your own. I mean, that there's no other proper way. Um, and espe especially, 
especially kids who have experienced homes that that maybe aren't always loving and that they haven't always felt cared for and those kids are harder or are more difficult to love because of the great resistance they mm. put to kind of the love and affection and care that that is necessary Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so the whole thing is fraught with difficulty, and yet the the call persists mm-hmm. to to love them as though they were your own with with a willingness to be hurt, mm-hmm. uh, and it, and it, and an, and a knowledge that this is gonna you know <laughs> it's like that Tommy Boy line this is gonna leave a mark. I, I really dated myself <laughs> there, but but like it it's gonna hurt, and it does hurt. And you have to love in such a way to to be willing to be hurt, um, because if you hold anything back, they they sense that. Yeah. And in fact, that's that's almost what they're baiting you into doing, hmm. um, because of all the trauma related attachment challenges mm-hmm. uh, that that kids come into foster care with. That's why they're in foster care. There's there's a traumatic experience of some type in their background. Um, so yes, um, it is, it is fraught with difficulty, but there's no other way to do it. Um, and you have to, you have to count that cost. You'll, you'll count the cost one way or the other, either before or during. I mean, it's, it, there is a, there is always a cost. It was interesting as we were talking about like the, the cost of adoption. I'm, I mean, in some ways I'm, you, you may have experienced both the, we didn't have the financial cost that mm-hmm. just wasn't present, but there's always an emotional cost oh, yeah. uh, to adoption for, for both for the parents mm-hmm. and the kids and, and the birth parents. Mm-hmm. So there's, that has to be taken into consideration. Yeah. As you, as you experience this, as, as this has been part of your life, what going through that, what is, what has that revealed to you about your role as a father, as our call to be men, about our heavenly father. Like what, what's a a fruit that's come of that? Yeah. Well, um, I've discovered, uh, you know, the, the line that, that, I don't know, uh, the line that's always been hard for me Hmm. is that people will kind of congratulate us, you know, gosh, you guys are doing such a great mm-hmm, thing. And mm-hmm. It's so good for those kids. And, and that's always rubbed me a little bit wrong, you know? Yeah. Um, on Father's Day, some years back, things were, were going nuts at the table. Like, and it was just like, I just had this sense of like, ah, oh, of all the days you have to be throwing like a <laughs> gallon of milk across the table. Could it just not be Father's Day, you know? And um, just exasperated, I, I sort of stormed off like a little petulant child and stormed <laughs> out of the room. <laughs> and I went in, in, I went in the room and just, and just weeped, was just so heartbroken mm-hmm. for how difficult it was. And um, I even had this sense of like, Lord, I, I almost feel at the word regret kind of came to mind. Mm. And then the Lord put this word gift on my mind at the time. I was like, yeah, 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 I know. Uh, we're an incredible gift to them. Where would they be without us? All, all that, mm-hmm. that whole line. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and the Lord said, no, <laughs> <laughs> you're not the gift to them. They are my gift to you. 
And that really changed me where I realized that there was healing, there was restoration of my own experience of fatherlessness. There were things I was going to learn from them that nothing else in life would have provided. There was, there was growth and transformation that would only come through this experience. And it was, in fact, his incredible love for both the kids and for me that this was yeah, I hope we've been a gift to our kids. I, I sure do hope so. Mm-hmm. But I know more than anything, they have been God's way of of transforming me, putting me in situations I never would have put myself in to to choose. And for that, I'm 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 so grateful. They they are an incredible gift to me. So I've learned. Uh, I, I grew up uh, without. I grew up without a dad. Our roles were reversed. He had Alzheimer's disease from the time I was five until. Mm-hmm. young adulthood. And uh, that messes things up, you know, when you're a kid, when you're caring for your dad and he's not caring for you. And then, you know, with infertility and then with with working with kids uh, who have you know, attachment issues, it, it, it causes a lot of questions about who I am as a man. Mm-hmm. Do I have what it takes? Uh, will God provide? Am, am I a dad? What do I do when my teenager calls me by my first name? Because I am not his dad. Mm-hmm. I'm his adoptive dad. Um, mm-hmm. And so what do you do with all that? And, um, and, I, and the Lord has just affirmed in me over the years through all these experiences that he he is my father that they are god's his gift to me but they also don't define me mm-hmm. uh the things they do or don't do are ultimately a reflection on their choices and i can only own um my response to them not you know their actions themselves and so there's been a ton of healing a ton of transformation that god has worked uniquely i think through the experience of of foster care and adoption man that's that's beautiful that was Mm -hmm. so good um and and i was struck when you you when you talk about you know think trying to figure out who am i what does all this mean for that yeah uh and i think right in the in the it's through this gift of yourself that you've made yeah to everybody um, yeah. you've come into contact with everyone in your life. That's where we find ourselves. Yes. And as, so this, this call to hospitality mm-hmm. to, to care for, for those, for others around you, how yeah. else has that expanded and looked like in your life? Yeah. Well, in 2018, um, sort of the height of the Trump years, uh, in, in as president and, the Supreme Court justices were were kind of being replaced. Mm-hmm. And I this question occurred to me. Um, are we as pro-lifers, are we really ready mm. for the are we ready for the end? We want the end of Roe v. Wade, but are we ready for the end of Roe v. Wade? And my conviction came, and uh, mm. this will answer your question in just one second, but this is how we got yeah. into it. Um, the conviction came that I, uh, if, if we're ready, it means what it means is more, if there's less access to abortion and now that Roe v. Wade is overturned, we're, we're seeing this, there's less mm-hmm. access to abortion, which is what we want, which means more 
it's not going to stop unplanned pregnancies. It just means that more, and this is what we want, that more crisis pregnancies will come to term. That yeah. means more more kids will be born into the world. And what what do crisis pregnancies often need, or they often become crisis families, and crisis families need the support of foster and adoptive parents. So I, mm-hmm. I intuited, if you will, I'm sure one of many people who intuited this, but I intuited that this is actually a, a need that we need to ask ourselves. Are, are we ready to, to jump in and support families in crisis uh, more. And uh, so I put a, a video together and I put it out there in October of 2018. And it was, an, it was like an invitation to pro-lifers everywhere uh, to consider adoption and foster care. And the video is called, Are We Ready for the End of Roe v. Wade? And that was in uh, 2018. And um, I put that out there and and it got a, a fair amount of traction in my circles and maybe the next circles of my circles. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of people started looking into, in my circles, foster care and adoption. It was really beautiful. Mm. And I kind of thought, well, this was my kind of my swan song, you know, like I, my role in all of this isn't to do the foster care and adoption. My role is to put the video out there. <laughs> you know, I've all, I've done all that. And, and, and the Lord actually had another thing in mind. Uh, in fact, he was calling my wife and I to a, a an even more generous or not gener- even more generous, but a new, a new opening of our home and our life uh, to, to families and kids uh, in crisis. Mm. And um, it started with a young man in uh, 2019, just before the pandemic, who was who was homeless in Birmingham, Alabama, and he ended up coming up to uh, the Twin Cities and he needed a home on the weekends because he was a part of a kind of a Christian boarding school. So to make a long story short, uh, he he we became his weekend family and we got to meet this young man from Birmingham, Alabama, and uh, he wasn't exactly homeless, but he he didn't have stable housing mm-hmm. and wasn't enrolled in school. And so um, we began learning about his life, about his family, mm-hmm. and slowly over time, to make a long story even longer, um, <laughs> he and, well, his sister and his sister's newborn, who was four months old, uh, she came to visit about a year later and they had a return ticket. The two of them, his sister was you know, 18 years old and she had a four month old little girl and they just didn't take their return flight home and just moved in, you know, downstairs. And so the pandemic happened, the school closed down. Hmm. He, he moved in full time with us. They were there with us full time. And we've just begun this relationship with, with this family and many other families who are living kind of, right on the edges of, of poverty, uh, we're, we're getting jobs, uh, getting good education, you know, uh, g- being able to live uh, sustainably is really, really difficult. And in fact, um, a year after that, um, their older brother was, was shot and killed oh. in kind of, uh, you know, the, the tough neighborhood in which they're living. And so like, it's real, uh, the stuff that they're moving away from and getting out of. And so this family, there's, um, I think there's like 10, 10 of them, including s- siblings and uh, kind of significant others and their kids who we've helped to all move up to the Twin Cities and are supporting them in, in a variety of ways. And that, that's, that's been the call just with this, 
this family. Uh, it reminds me of something I heard once. I'll just finish with this, that um, a, a Christian pastor named Andy Stanley, you, you mm. may have heard of him. Mm-hmm. He, um, he shared this principle that, that when it comes to these kinds of situations, we ought to do for one what we wish we could do for all. Mm. And that's kind of been our principle with, with mm. this family. Do, we want to do for this family what we wish we could do for all families and kind of go all in. And it's come at a, it's come at a cost, uh, but I wouldn't take one penny back. Wouldn't take one penny back. I don't know if I, my wife needs to hear that. <laughs> She's the one who, <laughs> who is so much easier with spending the pennies. Uh, but I would, I, you know, I need to tell her that today. I, I wouldn't take mm-hmm. one penny back. It's been so important, not just the financial piece, but just opening our home as a place where people can come and be themselves and figure out what the next steps are in life, getting their high school diplomas, starting, starting, you know, community college, getting stable housing, stable jobs, getting health insurance, getting, um, driver's licenses, um, and just beginning to get all the, you know, getting, you know, dental work done that had been, they hadn't been able to do for so many years, just all of these things, um, getting to a, a church situation that they hadn't experienced maybe so much before and seeing, seeing families, uh, that that reflect a, a different way of thinking about family. Um, it's been an amazing journey these last um, four years. Man, that's incredible. That sounds uh, like a wild ride oh, that you got invited that's on. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> but yeah, it was like I was throwing this idea out there that 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 would people be would people open their hearts and their homes uh, to to families and kids in crisis. I think people are willing to give of their time to mm. serve. I think people mm-hmm. are willing to give of their money. I think they give money first, then they give some of their time. Mm-hmm. They might even um, m- move into those neighborhoods, if you will, neighborhoods that are a bit more depressed or or, mm-hmm. or rough or difficult. But w- would we be willing to invite them into our neighborhoods and into our homes and kind of put our homes on the line, our lives. And I, when it comes to foster care, let's say, or even this situation, I think in the church, just the Catholic church, I think the Catholic church is big enough, strong enough, even healthy enough that there are, there are more happy, healthy, holy Catholic families, just Catholic families in the United States than kids, say, in foster care who need them. Hmm. So it's just a numbers game, you know, like there is a number, it's a big number, like 400,000 kids in foster care. But I believe there are more than 400,000 happy, healthy, holy families to serve those kids. It's actually, um, it's a, it's, it's, it's a humanitarian crisis. It's a solvable humanitarian crisis. Hmm. That's a little bit of how I see foster care. And I think in this case, what would it be like if, if every family sponsored another family in mm. in just in their in their metro area and that they went in maybe not all the way <laughs> but they but they really tried to invest in helping support them through the various challenges that they're experiencing in life we would see a transformation in the church and and perhaps in our neighborhoods and and cities as well wow as you that that's fantastic um as you've gone through this as uh, over these last four years, yeah, 
what how have you seen it through a lens of stewardship so cert, yes your finances but yeah you know your time your family your home your food like all these things how 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 do you see that through st- thinking of it as a steward of all these things that you have and that you've shared yeah well um part of the context that we live in is a, a deeply committed community of catholic families that have kind of linked our lives up together um about when you add all the kids together, it's about 800 people, you know, a couple hundred families. So we have a very rich shared life and we're, we're linked up in small groups. And so at the same time I put this video out, I also saw that we, we are, we are resource rich and, and not primarily financially, but yes, financially. <laughs> but we're resource rich in terms of relationships, in terms of of love, in terms of stable family systems, mm. uh, in terms of of knowing what what rhythms of family life looks like. That um, from a stewardship angle, I thought this is our greatest mission resource is our, our, our shared life. What, just what if, what if we, we, we made a practice of more regularly opening our homes to other people, to the things we already do? I'm not asking you to have two dinners. <laughs> I'm just asking you to have <laughs> your dinner, invite somebody over, you know? Um, I'm not asking you to do anything different. Invite somebody along with you to the things this beautiful family life that you're living, what if you can invite others into that, mm-hmm. what you're already doing? And I think that's been one of the challenges with mission, especially with the you know big Catholic families. They're busy. Life is, is, is full. So from a stewardship angle, I see us as having the resources that are also in very, very short supply for people who are experiencing poverty. And, and there, mm-hmm. there's one verse, 2 Corinthians 8, 14. I'll just read it here. I don't know if you've ever heard this verse quite like this. I know I hadn't until I got into this. Second Corinthians 8.14 says, At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need. And this is implying you know, people who are impoverished. Mm-hmm. Your plenty will supply what they need in the same body. So that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is mm-hmm. equality. As it is written, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. And so there's this this mm. leveling of there's things that yes, they we may have some things. Here was the shift that had to happen too. There were some things we had resources, relationships that we might bring to the table, but there's also the experience. It's a two way street of of support. I am learning things about life, about the way the world works, about what it truly means to be poor in in the world today that I had no access to, zero. And I it is it is shocking. And I've I've had to unlearn many things I've believed about people who find themselves in generational sort of poverty being a generational reality for them mm-hmm. had all these misconceptions, all these, these lies that I believed about them. 
about their effort, about their their grit and their willingness, about mm. their commitment to education and their commitment to sobriety or whatever it might be. You know, mm-hmm. um, I had all of these 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 false beliefs until we welcomed folks into our home and we started becoming friends with them. Hmm. We built real family-like relationships with them. And they would call us mom and dad and it was beautiful. And, and we're now kind of like grandparents to this little girl, uh, Kaziah. She's almost three years, she'll be three years old in April. We've, we've watched her grow up, you know, since she first moved in those few years ago. They've now moved out and they're in a different, you know, a more stable situation and, mm-hmm. and they come over on the weekends and, and we're, we're serving them. It's beautiful. But, but that was the verse that really helped me to see, like, we have some stuff, but they have stuff too. Mm-hmm. And so often we've seen charity, if you will, as this one way street from us to them. Yeah. No, that's not the vision that the early church had, that there's always something that, that two parties have to give to one another. And, and that needs, that needed to shift in me too. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Um, I can't wait to take, uh, take a little prayer time up at the chapel with that verse, just to, to, to see it as it's so just beautiful, right? I mean, it, it's, it's, it, it acknowledges the good things that uh, I guess those you're helping uh, have to bring. And it helps us acknowledge the needs that we have, the lack that we are suffering and how in finding each other, Mm. we are getting matched up with who needs what Mm. in both directions. Amen. And that first started happening for me as a foster parent, the, the facade uh, of all the all these little misbeliefs I had about you know people who s- struggled you know mm. with their family, with their career, with money, with whatever, with drugs or I don't know that uh, that start empathy began to build in my heart as I as we were foster parents, and it's just continued through this process. And as you know, I live in the Twin Cities and uh, George Floyd happened here mm. in May of 2020. And we were, that was like a, that was, that was an important moment in our city. Mm. And we, w- my wife went into those neighborhoods that were, were ravaged by, by the destruction mm-hmm. and was bringing food because they had, they didn't have access to grocery stores. And yeah. I remember, um, my wife brought uh, this beautiful woman to our home and she didn't want to come inside. She didn't want to come inside. Um, and the reason she had never been inside a home, mm. she'd never been inside a, 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 a single family home. She'd only ever been in apartments and she didn't come in. Mm. <laughs> she needed help with her Gmail because she wanted to get her stimulus check and I'm good at Gmail. And so Jill said, could you come outside and help, help her sort out her Gmail? I said, gladly, you know? And, um, so is that Paul George? 
Yes, yes. We I have an interview with him coming up uh, in a couple minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. Hey, Paul. <laughs> we're just we're just doing an interview here. Yeah, we're doing an interview. It was it's on the same link. I figured we would have been uh wrapped up before we got started. Um so yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we'll see you in a couple. <laughs> so, um, so I helped her with her email, and I, she didn't feel worthy to come inside a home. Hmm. I probably should have insisted to come inside my home. You know, I didn't. I didn't know her very well. I didn't know what it would look like to push her in that way. She was elderly. Um, struggled with a, a, a long-term drug addiction that she'd mm. kind of had to make peace with. And mm. we were helping her get some, again, dental work done and uh, get to the, the doctor and um, trying to help her establish. And this was just someone we met because we were bringing home into these neighborhoods that um, kind of post George Floyd and all the protests and stuff. Yeah. So it's been a radical shift and transformation in my life. Yeah. Um, to, to folks listening or watching this podcast, what, um, what, what can you give them to, to walk away with, right? To, as they figure out the ways that the Lord is calling them to, right? The, not all of us are going to be serving others in all the same ways, but how can they figure out what that call might be? Mm -hmm. I think it's asking the question about resources, and not just think about money. Money certainly is an easy resource we think about, but what resources do we have? Do I have, Lord? Lord, what resources do I have in abundance that I could share, that I could share with others? And, and to ask, to kind of be creative about that. And I, uh, I, I think asking that question in prayer and seeing how the Lord responds. I, I don't know what it looks like in, in different people's lives, but I do know that everybody, everybody has something. And probably it's the something that doesn't immediately come to mind, but it's something mm -hmm. the Lord knows about. And if we're open and willing to, to ask the question and get quiet, even get quiet for multiple days in a row for even five minutes at a time, and just to journal what comes to mind and what comes to your heart, I think that would be a beautiful practice. And I think husbands and wives should ask that question. Uh, what way can we support other families in crisis? Just take that issue. Because mm -hmm. not everybody's called to foster care and adoption, of course. Mm -hmm. But every foster family and every adoptive family needs support. And they need all sorts of support, financial and meals and a night out and, you know, all those kinds of things. Yeah. There's so many ways uh, to get involved in this. Um, but I always want to encourage people to get involved in people's lives, not mm -hmm. just to go to a food shelter and serve there. That's great. But find ways to connect with real people, um, even if that means just a willingness to connect with the people that you see who are asking for for money on the side of the road, just mm -hmm. to look them in the eye and give them the dignity of your attention um, is just one way to begin engaging folks who, who may not have as much as we do. That's fantastic. Um, 
thank you so much for joining us today on the Catholic Money Show. We mentioned at the top of the show that you have a podcast. I do. Better Preach. Uh, tell us about that and how we can learn more about it. Yeah, Better Preach is a podcast uh, for Catholic leaders on delivering and developing great Catholic talks. Mm. So if you're a priest, volunteer, professional minister of any kind, or somebody who's just wants to grow in, in giving talks better, uh, this is a podcast that can that can help folks. Um, and people can find that wherever they get podcasts. It's going to be on YouTube soon uh, as well. So that's, uh, yeah, that's the Better Preach podcast. And then I have a website, ryanohara.org as well. Wonderful. So check those two out. We'll have links to those in the show notes or the description below. Thank you again, Ryan. I thoroughly enjoyed uh, speaking with you today. Thank you so much for coming on. You're welcome. This podcast is part of the Spoke Street Network. For more great podcasts, visit Spokestreet.com.